are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to this Tuesday edition of Power to the Pod here on Locked On Dolphins. Today is December 15th. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, and today's episode is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. I have been watching your questions come rolling in. Power to the pod, highlight of the week here on Locked On Dolphins, because I honestly just, I don't, there's no show prep, right? You guys do the work because you guys decide what this show is all about. Power to the pod, episode 41, 41 of these things we've done. And we are off and rolling uh, some iTunes reviews. Uh, We take reviews in a number of different ways, iTunes reviews and Twitter questions. Uh, We're fairly light on the iTunes reviews this week, but that's okay because we get about 60, 65 Twitter questions on any given week. So there's no shortage of content. It's just where you guys choose to submit it. We do have a little bit of administrative conversations to have here this morning before we get into the reviews, uh, and, and it's based off of the end result of last night's game. The Miami Dolphins were banking heavily on the Cleveland Browns to defeat the Baltimore Ravens and give the Dolphins playoff odds for 2020 a significant boost. But the Browns came up short, conceding several late fourth quarter scores including one in which Lamar Jackson came back in heroic fashion from the locker room to throw a touchdown pass on his first play back to give the the Ravens a late lead, Uh, Baltimore ultimately winning by five points to move the Ravens into a tie with the Dolphins at 8-5 and for the AFC's final playoff position. With three games left to play, the math for the Dolphins is simple. You must win as many football games between now and and the end of the year, as the Baltimore Ravens do in those three games. And if the Dolphins are able to do exactly that, then the Dolphins will be the AFC's seventh seed. It's kind of stunk to watch last night, right? Because Baltimore, they have a big lead. They jump out to 28-14, to and Cleveland comes roaring back. Cleveland ends up taking a lead. Baltimore without Lamar Jackson. So you as a Dolphins fan, you start working through the mental gymnastics of, okay, let's prepare ourselves for this and let's prepare ourselves for that. And and as it becomes apparent that uh, Baltimore is going to close this thing out in the final moments of the heavyweight fight on Monday Night Football, we now take a look at, at some of the playoff odds from the various different resources out there. One of my favorite is 538. And 538.com, 2020 NFL predictions, currently lists the Dolphins at 820 chance to make the AFC playoffs because it forecasts what is going to happen over the course of the next three weeks. Baltimore plays three incredibly soft games on their schedule. Jacksonville, New York Giants, Cincinnati Bengals. So there's a very strong likelihood Baltimore ends up finishing the season 11-5. The Buffalo Bills at 10-3 need one win or one Dolphins loss to win the AFC East. 
So the Dolphins, these avenues are closing in around them quickly, and the Dolphins effectively need to take the mentality that the playoffs have started today. This This is playoffs for Miami. The team who may end up being the Dolphins' best friend in all of this is the Buffalo Bills, ironically enough, because a single Bills win clinches them the AFC East. The Buffalo Bills, uh, they are in hot pursuit of the two seed against the Pittsburgh Steelers, but the Bills will not be the one seed. The Bills are two games behind Kansas City now. Kansas City 12-1 and and Buffalo 10-3, and but... Kansas City has already won a head-to-head matchup between these two teams. So effectively, one Chiefs win over the next three weeks or one Bills loss ensures the Bills will not be the team that has the bye in the AFC. So at that point, you're really only jostling for playoff positioning. Buffalo, it could be in their interest to get the two seed so that if it comes down to a rematch with Pittsburgh in the playoffs, deep in the playoffs if they make playoff runs, Uh, It would be in Buffalo and not in Pittsburgh. But home field advantage this year of all seasons is really kind of inconsequential given that the fan bases uh, are being kept at home for for public health. So, with that in mind, Buffalo, with the division all wrapped up, may end up deciding it's time to sit everybody week 17. And... The Dolphins, of course, have two weeks' worth of business to take care of between now and then. But I do think it is a very feasible outcome to see Miami, if they beat New England, the Las Vegas Raiders are not trending in the right direction defensively. They've fired their defensive coordinator with three games left to play. That's how bad it is. They're averaging over 30 points allowed per game this season. I like that potential matchup for the Dolphins more than I did earlier in the season when the Raiders were playing better football. If the Dolphins get two, the Bills may have no motivation to play everybody in Week 17. They may be resting starters in that football game, and if that's the case, that's the path for the Dolphins to be able to run the table, no questions asked, and find yourselves in the playoffs despite the fact that the Baltimore Ravens are in favorable position with their remaining strength of schedule because the Browns couldn't do you solid on Monday Night Football. So let's get into Power to the Pot. It's your show. I'm going to leave you guys as much time as possible to get into what it is that you want to talk about. First one, Dirty South Chris. Five stars. Congratulations to your, you and your wife on the ber- upcoming birth of your child. First and foremost, you know, before I get to Chris's question, The amount of support and congratulations and Dolphins fans that I've heard from has been super overwhelming. Uh, We welcomed the child into the world last Thursday, and everybody has just been amazing. So thank you, everybody who listens to the show, everybody who reached out. Could not physically, physically impossible for me to thank each one of you individually as you reached out to me, but I am thanking you now. Uh, Everybody extremely kind, and we're extremely excited. Uh, Chris's question, the offensive line definitely needs work. Is future success going to come primarily from free agency, the draft, or just experience for the young guys? I personally think the foundation of Miami's offensive line is set in place right now with the three rookies that they have on the offensive line. Is Austin Jackson ever going to be an all-pro offensive tackle? Maybe not. 
but you don't need five all pros up front. It's like you don't need to win every game in the NFL by a score of 49 to nothing. So, Jackson, Hunt, Kinley, we definitely need to draft one more interior offensive lineman. We need to make sure we're comfortable to who our swing tackle is long-term, whether that's Jesse Davis or somebody else. We got a nice utility guy inside of Michael Dieter. What do we do with Ted Karras? And does Eric Flowers play the full extent of his contract, or do the Dolphins expedite that process? Because Solomon Kinley's shown us some nice things at left guard through two games of playing there. So that, for me, is kind of the million-dollar question. It is one of the guard spots and center, I think, are the two spots that need to be addressed in some capacity, and that could be re-signing Ted Karras. You know, Ted Karras, not a physically dominant presence inside in one-on-one situations, but I thought he's played fairly well throughout the course of the past two months, and uh, he's a smart dude. He's a really good communicator. I've enjoyed listening to him uh, kind of talk about this Dolphins offense and their the offensive line unit, and he does some nice things with it, within the con- uh, confines of it. So I think the biggest jump forward is not, wow, we need to add a stud because you have a, guys, a couple of guys who could be studs. I think you need to address and bring in just a handful of more pieces, but your young guys got to get experience. Uh, Dolphins Nation. I have an interesting question. Obviously, this year's stadiums aren't at 100% capacity, but once they go back to full capacity, do you expect Dolphins games to be sold out given our recent success and our young, popular quarterback? Haven't seen a sold-out Dolphins game in a long time. I would think if the Dolphins finish with 10 wins this season and Tua Tagovailoa plays the rest of the season like he did last week against the Kansas City Chiefs, then I would expect you will see a fandomonium in South Florida around the Dolphins that we have not seen in quite some time. Uh, Does that equate to sellouts? Uh, I know that from a ticket sales perspective, much of the Dolphins' tickets are accounted for, but actual attendance at the games hasn't necessarily touched sellouts. So I think the big measuring stick will be the first time, whether it's the Buffalo Bills or the Baltimore Ravens come to town or whoever that team is, right? The big team on the schedule. First time they come to town, what does it look like from an attendance perspective? But I would expect that would be a sellout. Yeah, I I think we're heading in that direction for sure. Today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is brought to you by 1010. Now, you may have read about this in the New York Times or Forbes, and we're excited to tell you about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring, launching exclusively on January 18th at BlueNile.com, and when they're gone, they're gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people, and with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustained sourced diamonds. If you're making 2021 plans or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on January 18th, and you can preview it exclusively at BlueNile.com. 
First Twitter question today that I saw that jumped off the screen at me comes from Dan. This is a great question, Dan. Um, maybe not necessarily for what you envisioned it would be, but uh, Danny Leon 66 asked, uh, with Tua's hyper accuracy, isn't it more important for Miami to find great route runners instead of speed guys at wide receiver? I've seen a lot of questions trickle in over the past 24 hours pertaining to the wide receiver position for the Miami Dolphins, what they have, who should step into what role depending on who is available. And I'll say this, that not everybody in your wide receiver room is going to fulfill the same jobs. And I think that differentiation is important. Um, I do think there are speed guys. There are possession guys. There are slot guys. There are size guys. There are hybrid guys. There's slot tight ends. There's So you kind of go through all of the different roles, and Miami uses them. I think that's important to, for us to distinguish as well. This is not just, okay, X and Y line up on the outside, so-and-so puts in the slot, and that's it. Well, no, I mean, you could have 11 personnel depending on what the concept is, what the down and distance is, and the Dolphins are going to have different pieces, different players in each of those roles. Miami can go 11 and have a tight end set off the ball and motion down Matt Collins and act as effectively second tight end who's, who can leak across the set out into the flat the opposite side or you know you can get inside zone, split zone looks with that and have a guy who's capable of, of cutting or chopping somebody down along the line of scrimmage. You wouldn't ask a slot guy because you know he's technically a slot. He's not inside or he's not lined up on the perimeter. You wouldn't ask Jakeem Grant to do that. So I think it's important for Miami to find great great route runners is the one thing that is transcendent above everything else. You can be big and run great routes. You can be little and run great routes. You can be fast or slow and run great, great routes. It doesn't matter. Running great routes... Yes, that, that and hands and competitive toughness are the three things, the boxes that the Dolphins have to check with any wide receiver investments that they make. Lynn Bowden, not necessarily a great route runner, but un, completely untapped potential. Tough as hell. And he's made some really nice catches in space or in traffic. Compare and contrast that with Jakeem Grant, who, you know, everybody in the summer was hoping for this big role for Jakeem. We get it. We get it. And Jakeem is uh, just kind of is what he is. Antonio Callaway, he, Jakeem Grant, kind of cut from the same cloth. They're an outside guy who can play vertical. Think about the deep post that Jakeem ran against Cincinnati that was dropped. Callaway can run those routes. Think about the uh, the post that converted on scramble drill that Tua just missed against the Chargers at the end of the first half. Antonio Callaway is that kind of receiver. Now, you've got Preston Williams, Matt Collins, Devontae Parker, all those guys kind of come from the same brand of receivers. And then you've got guys like, I would, I would classify Malcolm Perry and Lynn Bowden in with Albert Wilson. Uh, as, as slippery inside receivers with some versatility. You can do some trickeration with those guys. Uh, so there's different subsections of where each kind of receiver falls in the pecking order. I think you need more guys 
who can, you know, if you, if you want to put him in any of those subdivisions, that's fine, but you you got to have more explosiveness. And all of them should be running great grouts, or they are conversions and projects that need just a little bit of player development. Adrian, my guy brought four to the table today. Let's say, which one of these do I like the best? Uh, 2020 Finns question. Let's do this one. Who do you think steps up in the places of our injured players for the remaining three games? If Mike Gusecki misses an extended amount of time, and as of me recording this, it, it, there's been no clarity on what Mike Gusecki's situation is other than that uh, it's too early to tell. I think Adam Shaheen can play a viable role as a more prominent presence in the Dolphins' personnel groupings. He's not going to run the seam and catch the 35-yard touchdown like the one Gusecki caught against Kansas City. He's just not going to do that. That's not his game. But so much of what the Dolphins do operates within close quarters combat anyway. You can scheme up your shots out of more empty looks and get a receiver to run those kinds of routes. And Mike was almost never in the box anyway. Mike very sparingly put his hand in the dirt. But I do think it's important between Durham Smythe and Adam Shaheen that we continue to have multiple tight ends on the field. It's just not going to be, okay, well, we're going to have a guy with his hand in the dirt, and then Mike's going to be isolated on the backside and run routes. So in passing situations, you could see some Mac Hollins there, but Adam Shaheen, I think, has to take a big percentage of the snaps here and be the player that the Chicago Bears thought he could be when they drafted him in the second round back in 2017. Numbers guy, in your opinion, how many of the first four picks will go on the offensive side of the football in 2021? Three. I think they'll have it at some point. They're going to have a defensive BPA who is just too good for Brian Flores to pass up a Raquan Davis, if you will. Right. And then you'll see Brian, if we do everything digitally again this year, sitting in the draft room, rubbing his hands together, all happy and excited because Raquan's turned out to be a stud and, and, and flew new flow new. So I would still expect three out of four, depending on what they choose to do in free agency. But I, I think with the reduced cap, I still have a hard time envisioning them going absolutely bonkers crazy in free agency. I think they'll retain a lot of the guys that they have on board. They may go after one big fish and a handful of complimentary guys structured with contracts, much like we saw Shaq Lawson's and Eric Flowers and Jordan Howard's in which the guarantees are front-loaded. So if they don't work out, we can cut bait. No questions asked. We're not going to hurt our long-term cap. This one comes from Jack. Jack Ross. Watching how Bills quarterback Josh Allen has progressed, seems obvious that the presence of a two-number-one receiver accelerated his development. Same goes for Kyler Murray. Considering how cheap Hopkins was, are there any teams in cap hell that will need to dump salary players with number-one wide receivers in the mix? This is a great question. Um, I would say this. Uh, I think there are... A number of different ways that you can choose to build around franchise quarterbacks. And please, if you guys see this on social, because I've seen a little bit of it and kind of looking for storylines and topics to talk about and seeing what fans are talking about. Uh, it's a real shame Chris Greer didn't give Tua Tagovailoa anything to work with this offseason. Well, how many times have we talked about it on the show? Investing versus addressing in positions, team's identity, and what the team has chosen to invest in, they've gotten really good returns on in year one, but Rome wasn't built in a day. So this model kind of follows what the Philadelphia Eagles did when they first drafted Carson Wentz. 
because Carson Wentz in 2016 was throwing to a bunch of schleps in uh, <laughs> in Philadelphia, and you consider what he looked like, how good the team became. Obviously, ignore Carson Wentz, his player regression this year, uh, which is more of a byproduct of what happened after the Eagles went so aggressively into building up a contender's roster and how it rapidly eroded their long-term potential because they went all in in the here and now. I'm going to read you guys uh, the best, the top targets that Carson Wentz had in 2016. And then remember the following year, the Eagles went on to win the Super Bowl. Wide receiver Jordan Matthews. Tight end Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz is a good football player. Wide receiver Doriel Green Beckham. Running back Darren Sproles. Wide receiver Nelson Aguilar. Tight end Trey Burton. Tight end Brent Selleck. Wide receiver Josh Huff. We here at the Locked On Network have been big time proponents of the Built brand. And Built's newest product, Built Go, just ups the ante even more. It's a workout gel that's built to help you break through your mental or physical wall each and every day. It's easy to take. It comes in a one and a half ounce package. You put it in your back pocket, in your golf bag, in your briefcase, in your glove compartment, wherever. And it's always ready to go when you are. It's the best workout gel on the market. It's like five hour energy without the same crash feeling. It's like drinking a monster with a third of the caffeine and better results. It comes in three delicious flavors. My personal favorite is chocolate mint, but there's also peanut butter, honey, and chocolate coconut. Bilko combines energy gel with collagen protein, which is fast absorbing, and it gets into your system fast, and it's easier on your stomach. It's loaded with the good stuff to ignite your system, beta alanine, B3, honey, caffeine, and it's built to kick all day long with B6 and B12. So visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. That was the supporting cast around Carson Wentz in 2016 with the Philadelphia Eagles. Nobody had more than 816 yards. Nobody averaged more than... no. Let me say this, because Paul Turner averaged 14 and Bryce Treggs averaged 26 on three catches. Nobody who caught more than 10 footballs for the Eagles that year averaged more than 11.1 yards per catch. Everything was in a box because they didn't have good skill players that could win down the field. Carson Wentz that year went 7-9 as a starting quarterback. He passed for 3,782 yards, 16 touchdowns, and 14 interceptions in all 16 games played. Uh, he had a quarterback rating of 79.3. Well, you compare and contrast that to uh, Miami's top two options this year are better. Jordan Matthews and Zach Ertz were the two targets that got 100-plus targets uh, back in 2016. And reminder, what did the Eagles do the following season? Oh, right, they won the Super Bowl in 2017 despite having that bad of a supporting cast around a rookie quarterback who managed to find a way to play fairly well and then had a MVP caliber season before getting hurt against the LA Rams in 2017. Now take into consideration what the Dolphins have around them, 
a team that is already has more wins with three games left to play than what the 2016 Eagles had. They're a younger roster. They have more long-term flexibility. They have more draft kit picks at their disposal. Their best targets in the passing game, Devontae Parker, Mike Gusecki, those two guys are better than anything that Philadelphia had. Well, Zach Ertz, that's not, that's not true. Zach Ertz back then was better than Mike Gusecki is now, but Gusecki could get to that level of a player. Devontae Parker is better than any receiver that the, the Eagles had that year. And Tua, 4-2 and two as a starter. Nine touchdowns to one interception. His passer rating is 95.2. It's 15, 16 points higher than what Carson Wentz's was as a rookie. And the Dolphins have all that extra going in their favor. So this model has recently converted to winning a Super Bowl. Now, granted, Carson wasn't the quarterback for the Super Bowl run because he got hurt. But that turnaround happened very quickly for the Philadelphia Eagles. That is a legitimate hope uh, for the Miami Dolphins that they can produce something similar as a catalyst. And what did the Eagles do that year uh, to boost that offseason to boost their passing game? They brought on Alshon Jeffrey. They brought in Torrey Smith. Matt Collins was on that football team. They invested in Jay Ajayi. They invested in the running game with the running backs. LeGarrette Blount was here, traded for Jay Ajayi. So you start kind of looking at that formula and that model, and if it all clicks the same way for Miami, we could be talking about this team as being in the shoes that the Buffalo Bills are in this year. Um, now Buffalo obviously going out and getting Stephon Diggs and, and trading him for the 21st overall pick looking like a steal uh, but I think the the bigger testament to the development of Josh Allen I'm not ready to put Kyler Murray in that bucket yet because he's really regressed here as of late Josh got good coaching the Buffalo Bills are an extremely well coached football team and I don't think that should be overlooked to be honest with you Turbo time. We got a couple minutes left. Steven, Tua played well versus Kansas City. Looked good in the hurry up. I saw Armando say that Tua plays better off instinct than design. Have you noticed the same? And how do you script plays for instinct? Uh, no, I think Tua has made some really beautiful plays within structure as well. Uh, there are things that happen instinctually with his pass drops and where his eyes are and how he makes the first driving pass rusher miss. The, those things are instinctual, but being able to do those things and do them within the structure of any set passing concept, I think is much more impressive uh, and, and much more reflective of what two is able to do. Like how many times have, have we seen scramble drill hit for Tua? Uh, the one to Miles Gaskin last week against Cincinnati. Uh, Tua really has been able to create with his legs uh, but you're not going to scheme or design inviting pass rushers and then creating with your legs it's getting the ball out on time which is which is structure but doing it while things are chaos around you is the instinct within it so it's more of a blend in my opinion of both personally Lots of wish list questions. Mark Council, here's one. If you could hypothetically bring back any former player from your era of being a Dolphins fan and shoehorn them into the current team, who would it be? Zach Thomas, Jake Long, Chris Chambers, Jason Taylor. 
Now, I know Jason started his career when I was young. But I was definitely a Dolphins fan um, by the end of the 90s, all throughout the 2000s. Jason Taylor's Defensive Player of the Year season was magical. Uh, I would take Jason Taylor and put him onto this defense because I think he would feast and it would be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Marcus, assuming Miami goes 2-1 and one or 3-0 and oh and squeaks into the postseason, how deep do you think we can run it this year? One and done to Super Bowl champs, or do you think this question goes down entirely to matchups as far as how far we go? I think it depends on, one, how healthy the Dolphins are with their skill group. The skill group health is very concerning to me at this point in time as far as being able to make that last season push to get to the playoffs because you don't have depth here. You cannot afford... There's areas of the, of the team in the roster that the Dolphins can afford to take an injury in stride. Running backs and wide receivers and tight ends is not one of them. It's just not. Um, and here we are sitting, looking at Preston Williams is out. Devontae Parker missed uh, the second half of a shootout win against the best team in football. He wasn't in good enough shape to go back into the game and play. That's concerning. Uh, Jakeem Grant hamstring again. Big surprise, not really. Um... Mike Gusecki, majorly in the air. You got two guys in the running backs room on reserve, COVID-19. Yeah, it's um, Miami's ability to make this run is going to be predicated largely on who they have at their disposal. Because if we, if we go out there and we roll out, as much as, as much as I've been impressed by Limbone, if Limbone's the top passing threat for the Dolphins in Week 15 against the Patriots, they don't have a ground game to lean on. So we're going to have to get real creative to get some rubs and get some guys open against the Patriots secondary. Now, the good news is New England is going to be a low-possession game uh, because New England likes to run the football. Their offense has been... I don't think they've had a 300-yard offensive performance in the last month. Um, they're 6-7 and seven on the season. Obviously, very flawed. Cam Newton uh, beat us with his legs. Matchups, I think, is important. I don't think the Dolphins are well-positioned to beat deep rosters with high-end quarterback play, as evidenced by losing close football games to Kansas City, Buffalo, and Seattle this season, and Miami would have to play the playoff one on the road. Um, I think Pittsburgh is an interesting matchup because Ben Roethlisberger seems to have really regressed. Uh, So if they end up as the 7 and Pittsburgh's the 2, that one interests me to some degree. Tennessee would run all over us. Buffalo, maybe from a familiarity standpoint, you could push them. Uh, but I do think their roster in this year and the here and now, because they started their rebuild two years ahead of the Dolphins, is further ahead than what Miami is looking at right here and now as well. I'm going to save, we got tons of questions about playoff scenarios, which we touched on earlier in the show. We got tons of questions on uh, investing players to invest in the offense. Um, we've kind of glossed over it a little bit over the course of the last couple of weeks, but I don't want to do that conversation a disservice by having it too soon because there's so much depth and nuance that, you know, I'm in this project of charting every snap the Dolphins take. Well, I want to be able to refer to what routes, what receivers are running and say, okay, this is, you know, we need to get better at this role, this player's role. They're, they're running X number of posts, X number of slants and drags, and X number of drops on targets in these scenarios. So that conversation I want to 
holster a little bit just because we have so much in the tank to tap into on that. And I don't want to have surface level conversation after surface level conversation so that you guys don't appreciate when we do the deep dive. Uh, BTS604, great show. Kyle, can you please provide your opinion on this debate on Reddit right now? The play where Tua threw to Parker in the end zone where he didn't pull it in. It was dropped. I know exactly what you're talking about. It was early in the game. It was a corner out. Devontae high points, and I already know what this is going to be because Jakeen Grant was coming open underneath off a rub, and it was third down, and the question is, should they have thrown to Jakeen Grant? Is that correct? Yeah. Looking at the replay, Grant was wide open. Was this a misread by Tua? Could he have gone to Grant? He could have gone to Grant, but here's the thing. Passing concepts, the alert slash the first progression, if that's the corner and he feels Devontae was open, which Devontae was open, even if it's not the more high-percentage throw, if that's the first progression, and you feel it's open, you throw it. And he did. So it's good process, bad result in this scenario because Devontae Parker, who has won how many of these throws? He's won these all the time. He just could not happen to, to secure this one. Um. I would rather have a quarterback who trusts his receivers and puts the ball in a position for them to make a play on it, especially if they're the first progression, which based on Devontae being put down in the slot, Kansas City not playing matchups and surrounding, follow, having anybody follow him, you've, you really like your matchup opportunity with Devontae in the slot. It's a tight condensed, so he's got plenty of room to work to the outside. It's good process. Bad result. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you can point to on any given play. Oh, so-and-so is open over here. He missed it. Well, where do you, where do your eyes start? You know, based on the coverage, based on the protection, based on the number of rushers that you're getting, all of these things predicate where you start in your progression. And if the defense tells you a story that tells you, I need to start with my eyes going to the right, then don't get mad when the slot receiver in the left is open right away and he quote unquote missed him because the entire mechanics of going through and making reads never had him starting over there never had him looking over there so that it's it's a really complicated dynamic of watching the game of football and understanding all of the moving parts is is quarterback reads and on any given play on any given play it's not just a matter of all of the routes are available to be thrown to no questions asked and just find the open guy you got to start somewhere. You got to work through, literally, when they say work through progressions, you have to start at the first, go to the second, go to the third. I would envision with Devontae being put down there by design, he is the number one read on the play. And he liked the matchup and Devontae was open, so I'm not going to hate it. I am going to hate to bring this show to a close, but that's exactly what we're going to do. I hope you guys enjoyed Power to the Pod today, episode 41. Your show, your questions, your topics here on Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. Thanks, as always, for listening. Keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins as we continue to brace for the rematch against the New England Patriots, a must-win for the Miami Dolphins in every sense of the phrase. So keep it locked in, and I'll talk with you guys tomorrow.